0: and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Run Your Money Show. Today on the show, we're talking about how much money you actually need. I'm Veronica Grant, your host and personal finance consultant. Let's dive in. In some ways, financial experts talk all the time about how much money you need, whether they're talking about your emergency fund or retirement accounts, But rarely do they ever unpack the question, how much money do you need? Though this question uses the word need, I don't mean just the basics, and I'm also not here to shame anyone or judge anyone on how much money you want, need, or already have. My question is, how much do you need to live your life that is sufficient, sustainable, satisfying, and soulful? This is the prosperity framework that I learned from my mentor, Elizabeth Dialto. Now, look, I love doing the number crunching. And in fact, in Friday's Q&A episode, I am going to talk about how much money you might need in an emergency fund or in your retirement account. But I think it's worth unpacking the deeper question of how much do you need? And here's why. I've talked a lot about on TikTok, Instagram, and in my newsletter that while I've always been great with money. My relationship to money has been a little bit more up and down. One way that I would characterize that relationship is the scarcity mindset. So regardless of how much money I had in my account or how much I was making in any given moment, I always felt like I never had enough. And if I just had a little bit more, then I could feel more safe and secure in my finances. And I did all sorts of work to try to heal that. I did inner child work and I did abundance work and money manifesting work and all this kind of stuff. And while some of it did help, nothing really got to the root of it. I still would always fall back into this pattern of I need more, more is better. Until I learned Elizabeth dialto's prosperity framework, because what it made me realize was that a lot of my scarcity mindset was not rooted back to my childhood or my broken mindset or anything like that, but it was actually internalized capitalism. So we live in a capitalist society. If you're here in the United States, and even if you're in Europe or Australia or many other parts of the world, you also have experienced capitalism. Now, I think capitalism is probably the best economic system we have, although it is very broken and it certainly has a lot of faults. That's why I personally believe it needs to be regulated because what ends up happening when it's not regulated is that those at the top will just keep taking because that is what capitalism encourages, right? Getting something produced for as little as possible to maximize profits at the top. And you can see how this can certainly lead and has led and is still leading to lots of exploitation. I think we can also have a similar kind of relationship with money that very much reflects the larger capitalist system within ourselves. So what I mean by that is I always felt like I needed more. And so what did that drive me to do? Work, 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 produce more and more and more to the point of burnout or impacting my relationships around me, including with my kids, my partners, my friends, negatively. I think it's helpful to not just look at your finances in terms of numbers, even though, yes, I understand at the end of the day, it is a number in your bank account. I think it's helpful to ask this question in a deeper way so that you can have goals, want more if that's either what you need or want, but it also be a so that you aren't your own worst enemy in terms of just constantly stressing yourself out over whatever you have. It's not enough. You're bad with money money is bad, or money is evil, or money is stressful, or whatever your primary story or relationship with money is characterized by. So in today's episode, I'm going to go through the prosperity framework with you. I'm going to talk about what each part of the framework is, how I personally relate to it, and I also encourage you to bookmark this episode and write down the four parts of the framework, sufficiency, sustainability, satisfaction, and soulfulness, Because I do encourage you to reflect on this framework for yourself so that you create more goals using the map that feels more sufficient, sustainable, satisfying, and solvable. Because aren't those things kind of great? Before we dive into the framework, let's take a quick break. As of May 2023, there are approximately 29.2 million forgotten 401k accounts. I don't know about you, but I get pissed off if I just lose a $20 bill. Imagine forgetting where you put thousands of dollars. This is your hard-earned money. Even if you know where all your 401ks are, but it feels overwhelming to call your old HRs, figure out the paperwork, figure out how to roll it over, it's worth it. Because the cost of not doing that is hundreds or thousands of dollars. Management fees for employer-sponsored 401ks are pricey. And it's worth the extra cost if you get a match or a tax break as you contribute. But once you've left that job, those perks are gone and you're only left with the 401k fees that eat away at your earnings. This is where Capitalize can help. They're the easiest way to roll over your old 401ks. You tell them where your old 401ks are, which brokerage firm you'd like them to go to, and they'll help you open your IRA if you still need to, and they do the rest. No paperwork for you. But that's not even the best part. The best part is it's 100% free for you capitalize gets paid by the institution you roll over your 401k to. To get started, head over to fronicagrant.com forward slash capitalize. All right, the first part of the framework is sufficiency. So what is sufficient? Now, when you think of sufficiency, you might just think of your basic needs. I'm thinking like the lowest rung of the Maslow hierarchy of needs pyramid. But I want you to think what just would make you feel sufficient that would help you to thrive in your life. I'm assuming for pretty much everyone, that's going to include food, shelter, protection from the elements, things like that. But I want you to think beyond that as well. What do you want to be able to pay for effortlessly in your life that will help you to show up, whether it's at work or for your family or friends or a partner or kids or whoever, as your best self? For most people, that's going to be a lot more than just the basic necessities. In addition to the basics, one thing that's really important to me is my own self-care. I run my own business. I see clients. I'm constantly producing content. And if I'm not keeping up with my self-care, then all of that other stuff is going to go to absolute shit, not to mention my parenting for my very young children. So I will spend money generously when it comes to body work and my mental health. I spend money on therapists, coaches, retreats, and other kinds of support group programs. For example, I'm in a new mom support group right now. I will spend money generously on body work like massages and acupuncture.
0: It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
2: But I'm not going to spend a lot of money on going out to eat or going to concerts or movies. It's just not really something that feels worth it to me to spend money on but I do want to be able to do activities with my family, especially with my kids. I want to be able to go on a couple of vacations per year. I want to be able to drive safe cars and easily be able to maintain and repair them as they break down. I want to be able to live in a neighborhood with great schools that is walkable with lots of sidewalks. And in fact, that's actually something that's really important to me. I lived in places where it's not super walkable, even just to walk the dog. That actually deteriorated my mental health because walking for me is a huge part of how I stay healthy physically, but also it's just like how I get out and get fresh air and feel the sunshine and feel the wind. These are things that I need to feel sufficient. I want to acknowledge that there's privilege here and you might be listening to this thinking, dang, I'm just trying to pay the bills and i want to encourage you to not compare it really doesn't do any good for you my goal is for you to start thinking about what would it mean to be sufficient in your life what would that look like and then at some point we can ask the question what would that actually cost the second part of the framework is sustainability and this is where i start asking myself the question but at what cost so i am very money motivated I enjoy making money. I enjoy looking at spreadsheets and projections and my accounts and seeing where things have grown and where I can optimize. I just personally like doing it. It's probably why I'm doing this kind of work in my career. However, there has to be a point for me where I have to ask myself, but at what cost? Because if there are no limitations to that, then it's going to start costing me in other ways. If I am all work, 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 because I like to see the numbers going up and it makes me feel good and excited, then there usually is a cost somewhere else. Sometimes that cost could be my own mental health. Sometimes it could be my physical health because I'm choosing to work instead of get up and go on a walk or move my body or do my physical therapy. Sometimes that can look like I'm choosing to work rather than going on a coffee date with a new friend or spending time with my partner or my kids. So for me, I have to once a quarter or so look at what feels sustainable. How many hours can I dedicate to work each day and each week so that yes, I can generate income because my family does rely on that, but it's not at the cost of my physical health, my mental health, my community, building friends, my partner, and of course, spending quality time with my kids. This is hard for me. Sometimes it takes everything I have to shut the laptop down and then to not get on my phone two seconds later asking myself this question, but at what cost has really helped me to back off on some of the ways that the scarcity mindset can impact me in negative ways. Because again, the scarcity mindset says it's never enough, you never have enough, you're never doing enough, and I can easily fall into that trap. But when I'm clear on what is sustainable for me right now, then it helps me to set my own guardrails so I can shut the laptop. And this will change. Right now, as I'm recording this, I have a newborn baby, I have another kid under three years old, and the newborn is not in daycare. I'm also breastfeeding, so my time is limited, which means the income I can generate is also limited, and I'm okay with that. In January, it'll change because my newborn will start daycare and my time will open up. I do genuinely enjoy doing this work, so this is something that I come back to every season or so to assess, is what I'm doing sustainable? And am I making enough to, yes, cover my bills? And am I also not working enough to make sure that I'm staying healthy and living the life that I want that's not inside my bank account? The third part of the framework is satisfaction. The way that I interpret this is, is how you're making money satisfying to you. This is not to be confused with, are you passionate about your job or career path? I think that is actually pretty toxic. And I unfortunately fell into pretty hard when I was applying for colleges in college and in those early years after college. I think had I not had that mindset, I think I would have studied an entirely different topic and I think my career would have benefited. Now, of course, I took the path I did. I assume that I was meant to do that and I meant to be here. So I'm fine with it. Social media has driven home this point that you should be passionate about your career and how you make money. And I think it's actually, well, one, it's really privileged because there's all sorts of jobs that I don't think most people would say they're passionate about, but it might pay the bills or give them the benefits they need to support their families. Also, I think it's toxic because, well, for one, we need People who are doing this kind of inner work in all industries, whether it's corporate on Wall Street and pharmaceuticals, you're a doctor, whatever it is, we need you in the industry that you're in. So, when I talk about finding satisfaction from how you make money, I'm not talking about find your passion. I'm talking about does it feel satisfying in the way that you are working? So, I'll give you an example. My husband is an engineer, he works for the US Mint. He's very good at engineering. His brain is just wired to be an engineer. It's a good job that pays him well. It has excellent benefits. He has a great retirement package. Again, he works for the U.S. government. Would he say he's passionate about engineering or the work he does if you were to ask him? Well, the answer would be no. He actually finds a lot of his passion outside of his career in his gasp hobbies that he hasn't monetized, and that works for him really well. So he feels satisfied in his job and how he makes money because of what his job allows him to do. It allows him to pursue passions and things he's interested in outside of work. It supports him and me and our kids. He's going to get a great retirement, great health insurance, all that kind of stuff. The final piece of the prosperity framework is soulfulness. And this is how you relate to money. Now, I don't know if this is because I'm a Capricorn, but I can get into a bad mental slash emotional habit where my financial success can define my self-worth. I was on this train for a long time all through school where if I got an A, then I was good enough. And if I didn't get an A, then I would just feel terrible about myself. It was beyond being disappointed. It was more like oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And when I stopped being in school and started making money, I just transferred that relationship I had to grades to money. Soulfulness was about healing that relationship. And instead of it defining my worth or success, became more of a vehicle to express my values. So there's a lot of ways in which I do this. One is with my overarching philosophy about money. And that is, I don't see money as inherently good or bad. It's not evil. It doesn't alone make you greedy. It's just a tool. It's it's like a hammer, right? And I've said this a number of times. You might've heard me say it before. Money is like a hammer and that a hammer can build a house, which is a great thing, or it can kill somebody, which is definitely not a great thing. Money is the same way. Money can cause a, a lot of harm to a lot of people. And you can also use money to do a lot of good for also a lot of people. And so from that overarching philosophy, then that helps me to relate to money in a way of how can I use this yes to, you know, buy my lattes and avocado toast or whatever luxuries I want today, while also investing in my future so that I can have a secure retirement, so that I can provide some financial cushion to my kids, provide for their education, things like that. But then also, how can I use money to express my values in the world around me? So there you have it. This is the prosperity framework, sufficiency, sustainability, satisfaction, and soulfulness. And could you put a number to this? Absolutely. And now that I'm talking about this out loud, I think that might be a future workshop that I will do. But for right now, it's a really helpful way to start thinking about money outside of just the spreadsheet. Again, those numbers are important and have a direct relationship to the four pillars that I talked about today because there is a number right behind what it costs for me to feel satisfied or sustainable with my money. But I love the system to serve as a check on myself. So when I'm beginning to feel like, oh my gosh, I need more money or I don't have enough or whatever it is then I can just run through these four pieces of the framework and ask myself, well, what really is the problem? Is there really a gap in the money right now? And if so, how can I close that gap either with other savings or putting some more energy into my business? Or is it really more about just some fear and scarcity coming up that is hardwired into me from society that we live in or perhaps from my family of origin, things like that. And usually I can get myself out of some of that fear and scarcity just by going through this framework. All right. I would love to hear from you now. What do you think of the prosperity framework? What feels sufficient, sustainable, satisfying, and soulful? You can let me know over on Instagram or TikTok. You can send me a DM on either of those platforms. I'm Veronica E. Grant. And if you're not either of those places, you can send me an email, support at veronicagrant.com. And I would love to hear from you. This Friday, I will be diving deeper into this topic, but this time with some hard numbers, and we're going to talk about how much you need in your emergency fund and how much you need for retirement. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Your Money show. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss a new episode. And hey, before you leave, can you do me a quick favor? Please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. It takes just a few seconds for you, and it helps me enormously to get the show out in front of more women just like you. Thank you so much. You can find show notes, transcripts, free resources, and info on how to work with me at veronicagrant.com. See you next episode.
0: Selling a little or
1: a lot.